to episode 21 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. A show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Marley, you can follow me at Minar underscore Lenahan on Twitter, and my pronouns are he, him, and joining me today is my co-host... Hi there, my name is Cole, you can follow me at IceColeBrew, and my pronouns are he, him, they, them. Today, we are talking about pitching a campaign. But first, let's talk about what's been inspiring us lately. Not just in tabletop things, but in all things. Uh, Cole, what have you been checking out? Uh, I actually, a couple things I've been checking out. One of them I just remembered I should have written about, but the first one on my mind is the hot, cute, adorable, fantastic character rhythm action game, Hi-Fi Rush, by Tango, uh, Tango Gameworks out in Japan. Hi-Fi Rush is this uh, character rhythm action game where you play where you play one person named uh, Chai and you have a party of companions all named after different types of food outside of 808, who is the most adorable robotic cat you've ever seen. Mm. And it's like the mascot of the game in this really cute, adorable way. And the intro to the game is you show up to this facility called the Ar- for the Armstrong Project at Vandalay uh, Industries, which is basically supposed to be like your Amazon Apple hybrid. And it's actually a Seinfeld uh, reference, I think. Oh. It was like a joke in Seinfeld once. I remember like seeing people talking about that. Like, oh, it's a Seinfeld reference or something. Someone made up a, I think like George made up like, a company and that's that company. Odd. Weird. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. In this game, you play Chai, who is someone who has a broken arm and seems to be an, like, it seems to be a, a disability because uh, they get signed up for the Armstrong Project uh, with this arm still in the sling and then get a new replacement arm. And they get assigned to do trash disposal. So their arm is magnetic so they can pick up different bits of metal and trash. What ends up happening is uh, as you're listening to music, you're cheering about how uh, Chai is like talking about how he's going to be the next big rock star and such. And the Armstrong Project is mm. going to get him there. And uh, he goes through the whole thing, listening to music, puts away their, his uh, iPod and headphones. And through a series of misfor- unfortunate events, the iPod comes crashing mm. down and then melds into him and becomes an Iron Man battery pack kind of deal. Yeah. Kind of like how Tony Stark has that core reactor core, basically like that. And it's all rhythm based and his entire mm. heartbeat and everything around him is just going to the rhythm of the song. It's really enjoyable because... Uh, as you play this game more and more, you're timing your hits to the beat, uh, to the rhythm in order to maximize your damage and your dodges. You're starting to get parry timings down. It works. It works. And yeah. What, what, what do you, so you finished it? How is, how is it like, how, how did you feel about it at the end of it? I, I am going through another run of it because there's bonus oh, content God. afterward. Yeah, there's, there's the costumes and shit, right? Oh, God, there's so many costumes. You can uh, do a rhythm, t- like a, uh, basically a tower of just, like, time your hits perfectly, do your rhythm, do your dodges and parries, build up your meter, and try to get through as many levels as possible. I'm really bad at it, but it's fun. Yeah. And uh, a little extra bonus content that's supposed to hint towards a sequel. I would love to see a sequel for this game. I think that's a lot of opportunity to show that, too. Be really cool to see that. I also heard there was like some kind of like tease about Evil Within three. Have you seen I, what that is? Could you could you speak? To I that? have not. I this is the first I've heard of it. But also, 
this is the same studio that made Evil Within, I think. So it makes sense. It could just be a silly reference, but I heard someone talking about it and just being like, oh, there's an Evil Within reference. That's so cool. Is there going to be another yeah, one? No. Um, and I liked, I liked Evil Within 2. That was like very different to the Hi-Fi Rush. But yeah. yeah, it's really weird how different all these games are from Ghostwire, Tokyo, uh, Evil Within. Mm. I never actually played Ghostwire. I don't want to. It seems kind of boring. I think people are saying like it's it's better than a lot of people felt. Like people sort of went into it expecting it to be this incredible thing, but it was kind of more of a generic open world thing, which people have a lot of fun with those. Um and just like messing around with it. Yeah. Um but it didn't like the first trailer for it was incredible and then subsequent trailers made it look more and more or less and less interesting to me. Um, but yeah, uh, 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 with me, I have been checking out a fantasy novel. Uh, I am not a person who reads very many fantasy novels, uh, but I basically, uh, was given Kings of the Wild for my birthday. And it's one of these books. I think it's a book from a couple of years ago. Um, and it is a, it is a book about sort of like, uh, uh, aging adventurers. Um, Ooh. and they are basically, uh, like the main character clay has retired is working under the quiet easy career of a guard in a town apparently working as a cop is a nice relaxing easy thing for an adventurer um but basically his his old bandmate because all the fantasy parties are called bands uh comes and tries to get the band back together in order to rescue um do i want to reveal who it is but they basically someone comes up um, asking to do a mission mm -hmm. and it's going to be a daring mission and they have been out of practice and all the rest of it and so they just sort of go around and they get the band back together and they go on a daring mission and do all this sort of thing and it's it's cool in a lot of ways it's me sort of like being like this is great I like fantasy I, it's been a while since I read a fantasy book I think we were talking about before the recording that I really like fantasy maps and it's got one of those really great fantasy maps where I'm like reading a couple pages and mentions like a town and I'm like, Oh, time to flip back. Time to flip back. Oh, there it is. There it is on the map. Okay. That's what this is. I love that. And I'm slowly learning like the geography of the game and it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm hoping they mention all of the cities so I can know what they all mean. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Well, I bet that's how they get you though. They got to get you to read the seat pick up the sequel and read that. And then you have to pack up a third book after that sequel. So, so that's the thing, because I'm reading this and it's about a bunch of old dudes. It's about a bunch of old dads who are all going around doing dad stuff. And there has been a, a theme in a lot of media uh, where it's all about dads and about dads growing up and about dads being dads. And I don't give a shit about that. I played a game a couple of months ago uh, about what was it? It was uh, Summer Somerville which uh, the trailer sort of made it look like a really cool game where you play as a family surviving an apocalypse. And I was like, hell yeah, this is great. But you just play as a dad for most of it. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> the sequel is about the daughter. Now the slight spoiler, because the daughter is the person who they're rescuing. But the next book is about like an all girl band, presumably, um, of, of young adventurers sort of doing this thing. Because like the moment they mention this, this younger daughter who's like going off and doing things herself. I'm like, tell me that story. I care more about that than these old farts who are just like going around and do these things. And a lot of the, the, the book is kind of annoying because like 
they have these things about like, oh, the big enemy is the Horde, which is a bunch of monsters who are evil and must be killed. And a lot of creatures they come across are evil things that must be killed. And it's good to kill all these things. And I hate that. It's like the fantasy thing I despise because it's just like, oh, no, let's not look at the, the humanity of various goblins and like look at them as characters. Let's just dismiss them and say they're, they're monsters that need to be killed. And I'm hoping, I don't think so, because a lot of this writing is not looking at this critically and not being like, hey, maybe we should take an alternative perspective and look closer at these people. It's mainly just like, oh, these things are evil and it's good to kill them. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of story it's telling. And that's the kind of story I don't give a shit about. Um, I doubt that the sequel is going to fix that. Um, But at the same time, it's very fun. It's a very fun book. It has a lot of cool world building. It's very, it's like not just doing D&D. It's doing weird other things like the equivalent of like elves who have been around since the very beginning are these these rabbit-like people who came from a different dimension and they're really cool. Oh, that sounds so good. It's like Druin. And so there's like a big scene where they have a confrontation with a big bad. Also the, I was going to say, also the more I think about this, it, just Final Fantasy 14. It's probably Final Fantasy 14. It's probably drawing on that. I, I, I'm not really, I'm not familiar with Nicholas Ames and, and his various, his various interest in fantasy. But I think it'd be very funny if he just threw in a, um, a Final Fantasy reference in in this thing. Yeah, he's got to be really careful how he describes those uh, elves because they're a bit too close to the bunny folk in uh, Final Fantasy. Square Enix going to come after them. I don't think so. What can you do? They don't own the trademark for fairies. They can't just do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's been really cool, and it's been one of these things that's just been incredibly engaging to like sit down and read just because like despite having like with any book i have things i like and things i don't like um and it's just sort of fun to read a little fantasy novel and just sort of like see how they approach it my favorite bits are the sad ba- uh, dad bits oddly where it's just like oh this is what it's like as an adventurer and this was what it was real really like as opposed to the stories they tell and that's cool i really like that i like the world building and stuff like that I just want to read through it just so I can get to the sequel, <laughs> just so I can get do and do that. And so that's that's Kings of the Wild. I've been enjoying that. God, that sounds so nice. Yeah, I, I, I definitely love finding fantasy books that have like those really interesting mm. aspects of world building. But I also just like this thing is evil. We must kill it and not think about the consequences of this. I don't give a shit. I don't give yeah, a shit. No. Give me cool goblin stories. Play as a goblin. Let me play as a goblin. I want those really complicated things of like, well, these people kind of have to do this because they're being pushed out by something or like some kind of like background factor other than they're evil. So they must die. Kind of D&D bullshit. It's like, you know how every fantasy game has a cannibal? Yeah. It's like the opening pages of this introduces like a bunch of people who get eaten by a centaur. And I'm like, why you do centaurs dirty like that? Like, what are you doing? Centaurs rule. They got hooves and all those muscles, but not a single brain cell. What do you mean? They have, you know, this, what's another game? There was the Banner Saga. They have incredible, incredible centaurs. Yeah. They're like called something different, but I'm like, why didn't you put those centaurs in this game? Why are we dealing with that instead of a bunch of cannibals? God, I still need to finish Banner Saga. I keep going back to it. It's very long. It's so long. And I am bad at tactical role-playing games, but also it's just so fucking pretty. 
Yeah, it is good. Shout out. I think another really good fantasy thing, if you're looking for a cool fantasy thing, both because it is very community focused and it is about like a bunch of people messing around. Um, I really, really like Banner Saga. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I've been checking out. Kings of the Wild, Banner Saga, whatever else I've been talking about. Yeah. So let's move on to the segment, which is entitled Tabletop RPGs We've Been Checking Out. So, Ice Cold Brew, what have you been checking out of this fortnight? So, this past couple of weeks, I've only really check, had time to check out one game. I've kind of been getting a little mm. bit in the weeds, as I would say, on the, in the serving world. Uh, just getting a bit too busy with stuff. But I went back and looked through my backlog and found Bleak Spirit by, uh, mm-hmm. by Chris Longhurst, which is a GM-less... Uh, it's a GMless tabletop world building role playing game where you play you and your friends come together to play as the world, the setting around it and a single wander. And you all take turns in each and every one of these roles, uh, kind of similar to the way downfall is played, where you play as a hero, the city and the antagonist, not really a villain, but just someone against this heroic figure, which ends up causing the fall of a city. Okay. And you rotate those roles as well. But what I really like about this in particular is it is a very kind of Souls-like game, similar to a lot of the games we've been seeing coming out now. Uh, Rune, mm. Iron Sworn, and now or Sworn by Marin's Musing, all being a big uh, kind of motivation behind this. This one came out back in 2019, though, so it takes its inspiration from Bloodborne, Dark Souls 1 through 3. The the big thing I really like about it is just the collaboration behind it, where you kind of have your general broad strokes about the world, but you don't really get to know what your wanderer is thinking. You don't really get to know what the deep lore is. You all kind of share that interpretation with each other. Because hmm. there's only one wanderer, is that right? Yeah, there's only one wanderer. Only one person wandering okay. through. That's cool. You know, they are your ashen one. They are your unkindled or uh, kindled undead. You are. Uh, uh, what is it called? Hunter. Your Sekiro. Yeah. Your... Your Hunter. <laughs> what are the other protagonists called? The Tarnished. Tarnished. There we go. There we are. Um, it is very much a game that is very cryptic and kind of mysterious in its way. And there is just a lot of chance to kind of explore a very unique, different world. And as you go through every scene, you take... Uh, You'll have your wanderer, the world that will be described by one person and how everything looks. And then the chorus will interact with the wanderer while one person plays the wanderer. You never get to know what mm-hmm. that person wanderer is thinking internally. You make them fallible. You make them uh, second guess every action because, you know, the next person takes mm-hmm. on might go, oh, well, actually, the reason why that person did this is, or not even the reason why that person did this is thinking back to that situation i want to do this instead now that i think about it that's cool we i think you did you did you uh uh previously you were talking about how like they can interpret items in different ways and stuff like that where Mm -hmm. everyone can have a different perspective on what that is yeah could you speak to that a bit yeah so instead of like getting information about the world in a typical way you have your just straight up lore uh, you kind of write down on your index cards what the different items are, what these different places are, what they mean. Every scene must contain one piece of lore, which the Wanderer will uncover as part of their activity. They get to know what it is. Mm-hmm. They get to frame 
this lore will fr be the key around framing the world itself. And the person who plays the world will be deciding what the lore is and encouraging the wanderer to find it. While the chorus will be playing uh, characters who you will interact with, the setting, and sometimes uh, dangerous people you will interact with as well. And comes like a whole bunch of different forms. I think my favorite ones right now are probably the cryptic visions, which are always good. Or you can also leave like forensic, you can leave like traces in the world. There's bloodstains, there's fire, so just unmanageable and burning out of control. Like I kind of imagine yeah. how we interacted with the, uh, the Bone Coast and Rune. That's the name of it, right? That's, yeah, that's the name. I want to I wanna say yes. I want to say yes as well. I don't know if that's true, but there's a lot of places, and if there's a lot of different backgrounds for Rune. So theoretically, a Bone Coast could be one of them. Could be one of them. <laughs> I think one of the more interesting rules about this, too, is about the idea of, let me make sure I can read this right. It wants the other players to leap to conclusions as well, too. So uh, when you have a thought about something or you have a you'll eventually run into a grand adversary at some point who will be the like main focus of the of the game. So kind of think about how in Dark Souls 3 it is the spoilers for Dark yeah, Souls 3. Uh, it's yeah. like the uh, <laughs> the main boss who is protecting the bonfire after you like cover the sun and all that. And reveal mm -hmm. the way of the world, or and Bloodborne. <laughs> That's spoilers. Uh, yeah, eh. you can probably guess that it's gonna happen, but yeah. Or uh, the here we go. Leaping to conclusions after every scene, everyone should pause and consider the lore that's been put forward. So you'll interact, you'll learn, wander around the war, and then on a sheet of paper, you should write down the answers to the following questions: of What was the area at its height? How did it fall from that to this? Oh. What is the nature of the adversary? using that lore to kind of interpret it and how's the adversary linked to the fall of the area as a bonus question if you feel like it who's the wanderer and what are they doing here and everyone is just mm -hmm. writing their own conclusions after every scene uh they're not trying to guess what the other players are thinking or what they really meant you just want to come to your own conclusions and build up around that world that's cool so you're just like starting you're going to different locations and figuring out like different stories yeah. is is like a a typical session just you playing out a single area and fighting a single adversary and like each new area has like a different protagonist, different location, different adversary. Uh, no, I think it like kind of builds up to that because this is a three part game. OK, so in that you do five scenes, just kind of building out the world. Let me make sure I'm getting this part right, because I don't want to feel bad about it later. Here we go. Uh, you want to do five different scenes where you interact, you meet threats that are weak or passive, where it's kind of dangerous. Uh, you interact mm -hmm. with folks who are cryptic you know patches uh patches of spiders yeah think about patches like yeah this is a someone who's not immediately hostile but they can cause more pain in your life if they so choose to and then feature scenes yeah. where you are wandering around you know you are walking through and you're going through a catacombs and you're seeing like the a similar epitaph of something that you saw in like three areas beforehand mm-hmm and that's like the first five scenes, each of which have their own lore associated with them. Yeah. And then as you go on, you go to the next part where the scenes are more violent, more dangerous. The patches is like getting ready to kick you over the ledge, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then the part three, the final area is where you get to meet the adversary, where you kind of all that lore kind of comes together. Someone has an idea, goes, oh, I know what the adversary is. I'll take control here. <laughs> 
It's patches. It's patches. You hit him once and it's dealt with. It's patches, but actually he's in the mech that he had an armored core. Oh, <laughs> I gotta see that. I don't know enough about armored core and patches' relationship with armored core, but that would be I want to go, I, I should go, quote unquote, find <laughs> a copy of armored core for answer. Did you know if you find like a disc copy of Armored Core, it's like $125 America? I won't find an, uh, disc. I mean, audience, please come in, but I'm not a kind of person who would find that in my day-to-day life yeah. ever. Are there any games you would like to find in your day-to-day life that are technically older than 10 to 15 years ago? <laughs> Send them to Send us. Send them to us specifically. <laughs> For free. Let us, Hi, I'm in Australia. Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> God, we're just starting a pirating business. God. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, uh, I was going to ask if you think this is a game that would serve as like an interesting world building thing before you play like a, like if you want to run your D&D 5e campaign, like is this a great introductory session to sort of build out the kind of people in it? Or is this a thing that is better suited to playing on its own? I mean, it could be both. Mm-hmm. So like, if, and this will kind of come up later on and like pitch uh, things I would love to do when I pitch a campaign, but I love like yeah. building system, playing games on top of games. So like, if I was to say, "Hey, before we get into this system, before we get into the fellowship, or um, what's another fantasy system? Like, or stone top. stone top, songs for the dusk, band of blades, Morkborg, Morkborg, anything like that into the odd. into the odd." Uh, I really want to take this time to kind of build up our world and we want to have this one person who is a wanderer in it. And I don't know if the answer is they are famous in our uh, world's lore or if they are an insignificant person, but they have some (laughs) sort of major impact that will either be remembered and misspoken about or completely forgotten and discovered once again. You know, just kind of lead in through that, which I think would be a really cool like gives everyone a chance to kind of feel their print upon the world as you go, like take all your notes and go, okay, leave me alone for like three weeks. As I try to take this into a story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least. At three least. Three. It's like, it's, it's like, what if in the, the series of dark souls, what if the protagonist of the game became an antagonist in a future game? Like what if someone did something wild like that? in the series Dark Souls. Like, say Dark Souls 3, that occurred. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? That'd be What if cool. in the next game you fight the person that everyone has played as in the previous game, and they have it's all the different fighting styles? It's a revolutionary <laughs> idea. I actually think uh, there were some other games that took that idea as well, too, and I can't remember. I think hundreds of games. That's so in many. Far Cry... What's that? Far Cry post-apocalypse or whatever one of the characters in that is the protagonist is the deputy yeah from far cry 5 or something far cry 4 wait we're that far into far cry the fuck since when <laughs> i think it's far cry 6 now it's the one set in not cuba i just remember far cry 5 talking about like the militias that are up in the upper yeah, that midwest one. that's the that's the one that they made a sequel to in the post-apocalypse and they added color mm-hmm. um but yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds like a, it makes me think of uh, Wandering Dreams, a game we talked about ages and ages ago. Oh, yeah. Which is that... similarly like a, a Bloodborne kind of game where I didn't let. No, I didn't do a Let's Play. I think it was before we did Let's Plays. <laughs> uh, but it is a game where you make a character, and depending on how that ends, you basically can have your character's like key weapon become an item that people can just pick up. Or they can become an NPC or a threat they can run into during the course of play. 
Um, and I love Wandering Dreams for that. It's a really fun game. And I kind of like how there's a lot of a lot of Dark Souls inspired games that kind of just like mm-hmm. build your story, tell this thing. The the interesting thing is the item descriptions and about like pulling this world all together. Well, like kind of touch on that a bit. I think one thing that Dark Souls does really well is they have like there's definitely a lore book somewhere in the FromSoft office, but they kind of specifically go, hey, let's take all this entire lore book, make a copy of it real quick, and then shred up all the pieces of paper and then just kind of scatter that throughout the map. And we need people to figure it out and piece together. And everyone has like their own different interpretations of everything. That is true. That that was one of my favorite things about um, Elden Ring, just being like, oh, why is there a jellyfish here? (laughs) Is is there a relation between the little slugs and the people underground? (laughs) And building up lore by like my little little theories here and there. Yeah. That's absolutely one of my favorite parts of that game. Yeah. I do remember like playing Elden Ring and Holly like getting upset that like some of these, some of the enemy types were like not meant for this area and being very confused. Like they don't even do anything (laughs) different. Why are they here? I'm like, Oh, story, Holly. Jeez. The more I go back to it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's probably there's probably is a lore reason for this. Probably. Oh, they just needed to throw an enemy somewhere. Uh, it's probably that. Um. But anyway, speaking of Elden Ring, uh, I've been checking out the score, which is uh, the score is by Steve D. It's currently has a Kickstarter going, and um, essentially. Uh, we got it. We got an email from Steve saying, "Here's here's the game. Go ahead and check it out. It is it is currently Kickstarter." Um, I I, I f- uh, first encountered Steve uh, at PAX Oz Ooh. way back when, um, and uh, went to a panel in which the score, this game that I am now talking about, uh, was presented as um, I think it won a award there. I want to double check what the award is. Uh, scrolling. Uh, it is the uh, PAX Indie Showcase. It was uh, one of the one of the entries there, and and then subsequently I found uh, a friend of mine played a game, The pa- uh, Partners by Steve D, which is a game that had a really great sort of opening thing about introducing really cool characters in like a police procedural and then sort of playing through. And I found like as I played it, I was like a little bit lost with how that sort of went. But yeah, I sort of I we got the score. I read through it, and I have a good idea of the rules, but I don't think I have a good idea of how it plays. And so, Cole, mm-hmm. you're a person who likes surprises, do you not? I love surprises. Okay. Well, I have a surprise for you. I'm going to give you a link, and I want you to click on it. All right. Please. I'm also like looking at the kickstarter at the same time oh hey oh hey i just got that link cool uh i'm gonna change my scene over and we're gonna do an actual play of the score and i'm gonna try and have an idea of how to play it um so this will be on youtube this segment uh so so be sure to check that out uh this will be like a little short little video um, so I'll explain the rules as we go. The The general gist is that um, this is a game with 18 cards and will last for 18 minutes. I very much doubt I can play this in 18 minutes, given by how I play uh, games like this. But um, I am going to have an attempt at doing so. Okay. Um, okay. Can I make you your GM now? I am a GM now. 
All right. So, refresh the page. You should be able to jump between all these things. All right. Um, and I shall, shall introduce this here game. Okay, I am on the planning page. Oh, yes. The score is a game about heists. Um, it is a game about... Oh, let me just open up the thing. I should probably also look at that email if uh, Steve sent it through. No, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll guide you through it. Okay, okay. Uh, so this is a game about heists. This is a game where um, you uh, create a heist very quickly um, in a stage called planning the heist. Um, and then you build a character from a bunch of cards you get. Um, and then you play through moments in the heist. Um, it has five acts. They're pretty quickly. Uh, they're pretty, they're, they, they play pretty quick. And it's primarily improvisational based. Um, the exact description is one crew, one target, one chance. The score is a storytelling game about pulling off the heist of a century in order to bag the score of a lifetime. You win by telling a cool story together. The cards tell you who's in the spotlight and if they fail or succeed. Um, so we start off with planning the heist. And the way this works is I'm going to flip these two cards and these are going to tell us who our target is, like what we're trying to get, and I believe where it is set. Okay. So I'm going to flip this card. I'm going to flip this card and we get to choose what we're looking for. The second Wait. card disappeared for me. Yep. I, I just picked it up <laughs> on accident. Oops. Let me do that again. Roll 20 is not the best way. Uh, if you go on, uh, um, on tin card, there you go. If you go on tin cards website uh, and check out the Kickstarter and so forth, uh, there is information about um, there is a thing for tabletop. What's it called? Artificial tabletop. The the Steam game. What's yeah. that called? Uh, tabletop simulator. Tabletop simulator. I was close. Um, on that they have like a, a previously made thing, but I I don't like that game. I find it really clunky and I don't flip it around the table and I find it bad. And I don't like Roll Twenty either, but that's the one I know better. So I have made up a thing on Roll Twenty using screenshotting things and putting it around. And so we have the options of hospital or desert slash forest slash tundra, and we could be looking for either proof or the truth. Now, we could take a moment here to think about where we are going to play this game and where this, where this mystery is being set. My default is Blaze the Dark. I'm thinking it'd be very fun to play the Blaze the Dark heist in a different system. Um, but I'm open to playing it kind of like a modern day thing, like a Ocean's Eleven, a uh, thing in the past. Are we doing something like that? A thing in the future? Whatever you decide. Do you have any? Do you have any strong feelings in in that way? I mean, I was already looking at the hospital the whole time, and just wanting to find proof is very enjoyable to me. Just because, like, you know, hospital system is a fucking scam. Yes. So do you, do you have? I mean, do you have an idea of like what kind of setting would you like? Would it like to be modern day? Would you like to be uh, fantasy? Let's let's keep it to Blades in the Dark. I like that idea, and you know, it's an easy like pull for I think a lot of people who listen to this show, and probably for not for many people beyond that. But yeah. Blades in the Dark for everyone who don't know doesn't know, um, is a tabletop RPG set in a kind of 
Victorian era kind of thing, industrial fantasy. And there's people with ghosts, people with ghost powers. There is no sun. It's basically Dishonored um, with some changes. Uh, so Blaze in the Dark, we're going to a hospital. Uh, and you want to find, do you want to find proof or the truth? They're both kind of similar, but what are you feeling like? Are you feeling proof? I'm feeling proof. I'm feeling proof for okay. sure. Oh, righty ho. So that having been done, um, I don't have any character sheets or anything to write this down. I have a piece of paper in which I've written this down. We'll basically just have to refresh this. And I made you the GM so you can jump between the two and sort of do this. Okay. Um, next, we move on to character creation. Now. We have 12 cards of this deck, each split between us, which means we have six abilities each. It's a lot of abilities, and so we're probably going to be jumping back and forth between this page a bunch. Um, however, feel free to, uh, to flip this, these, these cards. Ooh. Um, don't pick them up, because then you'll have to figure that all out. Um, and you'll learn what your specific uh, character is. Um, now, as I understand it, if you have... Um, if you have uh, more than two people, it gets spread out more evenly. Like if you have four or five, they have like a couple abilities each. But as it is, we're going to play like a, a duo mission and we're all going to be using these cool abilities. Now, all these things are cool things that our characters can do. Um, we can like, for instance, I can disguise. I can stealth. I can. I'm very good with, uh, with gunplay. I am very good with coercion. I'm very good with driving, and I'm a genius. This is like a very late game, uh, 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 probably the, the, the part of uh, Blaze in the Dark where my character is broken because I can do absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we have all these abilities. What does is, what is your character do? I know I can see it, but please introduce it to me. Yeah, so my character is experienced in the art of forgery, is mm -hmm. able to do concealment, can fast talk, has gear whenever needed, signals. Yep. So I guess in like the Blades in the Dark World, it's probably like the uh, ghost field and then break yes. and enter as well. So that having been said, um, all we have to do now is we can flush out our characters a little bit more, uh, but essentially come up with a name and pronouns. And that's basically it. And then we just jump straight into the game. It's very quick. Okay. Um, but if you want to add more details, like give, give me a look, tell me what they're wearing, tell me what they're like, um, then we can go from there. Yeah. Uh, and try and make all these skills all make sense at once. Um, oh. I'm going to call myself, I'm going to call myself the faceless. I'm going to have cool mask, pronouns any, cool mask concealing many faces. And yeah, oh Jesus. Also, if you, after you've typed out and press enter, it makes the thing jump to one side. So I will just adjust that. All right. Um, because again, this is roll twenty and the typing sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so bad. Uh, let's see. This is uh, ch -ch -ch -ch, had a name. Hold on, let me make sure. I'll also jump over to um, 
just for my own research, I'll jump over to character names in case we need to have character names for Blaze the Dark. Because Blaze the Dark has a bunch of really cool NPC names that I can just sort of throw in. Like Wester, Bond, Tucker, Stev, Ring. Okay, you're playing Kira? Yeah. There we go. So yeah, I will be playing Kira, Reach, Ingram. They them. They are well dressed. They have a long jacket and they wear a flat cap. Cool. And what are they like? Um What are they like? What are they like indeed? I imagine them Well, they can fast talk and they have mm-hmm. access to a lot of things. So some <laughs> kind of like if I went playbook wise, it'd be a combination of like spider with uh slide abilities. And a little bit of the lurk as well. Yeah. So they are probably calm, cool, kind of very well collected. And the reason why they're called reach is because they're able to kind of reach, uh, reach past boundaries and get around like. Uh, oh, well, you're not supposed to be back here. Oh, don't don't worry about it. Like, you know, I'm just coming back here. I got to check some pipes for you. Uh, you know, you don't want okay. me to call your boss because then it's going to be really awkward for you. It's going to be really awkward for me. I'm just going to have to stand here. And then your boss can be like, why haven't you fixed anything yet? And I'm going to be like, well, this person won't let me buy. And then they'll look at you and be like, why the fuck haven't you let them in? You say your nickname is Reach. Is this like the Dishonored 2 special ability where Emily Caldwin shoots out a ghost hand and then pulls herself across the map? Ooh, I didn't think about that, but yes. Cool. <laughs> All right, and 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 do we have an idea why we're going to the hospital for proof? Um, there's a low hanging fruit. People are being harvested mm-hmm. for ghost stuff. Okay, they're harvesting ghosts from people. Are people dying and they're taking the ghosts, or are they like taking out the ghosts from people and then letting them wander around without a ghost? I think that's more fucked up, and I like that one more. Okay, that's good. I love, I love that's that's a thing called hollows in the Blades in the Dark universe. Um, and so, yes, so we are, we're going to, we're going to do that. Uh, so we're looking for proof that they are basically going in and doing that. And we're going to use all these things in order to try and get this. I'm very curious because I have this, the skill driving. And the thing about a hospital is it requires very little driving unless we're getting there or going away. And so I'm concerned if in the middle of a game, I'm going to have to start driving for some reason. But we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so, that having been done, let's jump over to the story. I'll bring you over here. Yeah, I am already into the action. Right. So, Act 1 is all to plan. The way this works is there is there is basically two modes of play. There's all to plan, off the rails, all to plan, off the rails, and all to plan. Uh, in all to plan... If a, if, a, if a special ability comes up and we have it, we get to sort of master it and sort of overcome it. Um, if there is an ability that we do not have, then we have to sort of figure out a way around it. Um, and I quickly read the rules for that one. Um, if the challenge shown is not one possessed by the player, the card goes to the player with the fewest cards. Breaking tiles discussed above. Uh, describe how this talent is, no, is of no use to the heist because of the incredible security surrounding the target or the necessary conditions of the heist. This is usually not done as a scene itself, but as a statement of the facts in play. Um, 
So we're going to flip a card and whoever has this ability or doesn't have this ability, who has fewer fewest cards, we all have the same amount of cards. Mm -hmm. So I think the rules state that the person who last watched a heist movie gets to play. Um, and then we'll proceed. So let's, let's flip this card, see if it's an ability we have. Stealth. One of us is stealth. Let's jump back. Uh, you do, I believe. I have stealth. Okay. So we're beginning a heist in a hospital where they are harvesting souls from, from things. And I am stealthy. Um, so I think this is probably, we enter the hospital, uh, probably together. And there's lots of, lots of people. There's lots of areas we can't go into. And I think I just walk in and I think that's just it. I just kind of like, I don't steal like a police, uh, like a, a, a doctor's disguise or whatever. I just kind of like walk into a room where no one's looking and then just sort of like move through. This could be, we could be separate. I think it's more mm -hmm. interesting if we're like separate rather than together. Um, so it could be a thing where we walk into the hospital or I walk into the hospital alone and begin to sort of like move through. And so there's, there's lots of security and lots of these kind of things. And uh yeah and then we sort of move through that way yeah and so that is the first scene i just walk into the hospital and just move around easily mm -hmm. uh now mm -hmm. i was gonna say i imagine it's just like it is this kind of like kind of off white hospital floor uh people in various mm -hmm. like medical garb walking around maybe a few blue coats who are just yeah. hired on cops yeah some extra cops just like wandering because Sometimes they get hired out for those kind of extra jobs and get a little extra money on the side. And mm. there's just like one cop going over to talk to a talk to one of the doctors and leans up and we just see like a little hint of faceless, uh, mm. just like the mask coming right past and walking by. I think this is like the start of of Dark Knight Rises. No, Dark Knight. Let's not mention Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> where you just see the back of my head and you don't sort of see like my face is currently like concealed. Like the camera just doesn't focus on it as we sort of move through. So let's flip this card. Ooh, we have deep cover. Does any of us have deep cover? I do not remember any of us having deep cover. Nope. <laughs> okay. Now we go back to that rule where it sort of describes whoop, 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 whoop. Describes what happens when we don't have the skill. Uh, if a talent is shown is not one possessed by the player, the card goes blah 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 blah. Play with the fewest cards. Describe how this talent is of no use in the heist because of the incredible security surrounding the target or the necessary condition of the heist. This is usually not done as a scene itself, but as a statement of the facts in plays. Uh, example: the first card is disguise, and Megan describes how she sneaks into the mansion dressed as a wealthy actress. Next card is B and E, and Peter says, "Now you're on the inside. You can't crack into the safe. It is controlled entirely off-site by and only opened in the timer. Hopefully, the next card will provide a different situation." Um. So, so how do you think I walk into this thing, not wearing a disguise, um, and an obstacle gets in my way that required me to be in deep cover? What would that obstacle be? I imagine it's like a consistent personnel check. Like it is specifically this one specific unit of the blue coats. It's the same mm. doctors and nurses at all times. Even the cleaning staff, it has to be the same people. If they call out, they're immediately investigated. 
and mm-hmm. uh, checked on, and they can't actually like leave the building. They have to stay on the like near the building within like running rate, like a short sprint to get to. So, yeah, and I, I have to, in order to progress forward, I have to be like a part of this group. Mm-hmm. So having just wandered in, uh, I, I, I'm <laughs> just seeing a bunch of guards of like, damn it. I should have, I should have done like some hitman stuff where I'm like, like, it's not even like a hitman thing where I knock someone out and steal their costume. It's just that I, I, I need to be, everyone's a noticer in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that having been done, my plans are foiled. Let's flip this next card. Another one we don't Demolition. have. Demolition. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, so what happens now? Uh, I, I see, do, is it like I, I see the, the blue coats and I'm like, all right, I have to find another way in. Um, and then I walk over to a wall and I'm like, this would be great to like blow up. It says like records or something. <laughs> and it's like, it's like they're standing in front of like a records thing. And then there's just an empty wall and I'm just like patting my pockets. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's even worse because uh, we get a flashback to Reach uh, getting ready mm-hmm. to head into the same building. And just like looks down at a uh, supply box that we were loading up from and sees the explosives there. Yeah. And just goes. And I just like, I look at it and I look at you and I'm saying, not even necessary. I got this. And flashback to me and I'm just like, damn it. (laughs) I should have brought that explosion. I didn't bring the bomb. Um, And so I'm just like looking around, just kind of like, man, I have to have, I got to have some kind of a break. I hope what I really hope happens in the rest of this game is that we f- we just get skills we don't have for the rest of this game. I know that's mathematically impossible, but that would be very funny, mm-hmm. is if we just cannot progress from here. We're just rolling one after one after one. <laughs> yeah, we're like, I, like, I'm not even getting caught. Like, not, no one's even in my way. I'm just kind of like, uh, uh, <laughs> this, is, this way's blocked, this way's blocked. And, and yeah, do you want to flip the next card? Yeah. Feel free. Come on, give me the flip option. There it is. History. History. <laughs> Another one we don't have. Do we, does anyone have history? No one has history. Uh, no one has history. So I imagine this is like Breach starting to arrive. And we flash back to sitting around the table once again. Yeah. And Reach is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the... The Forgotten Empress's uh, hospital, she, this hospital actually has, like, a couple of my buddies who we used to work together. We all went out to drink and such, and yeah, I'm going to go see if, uh, you know, I'm going to go see if I can catch up with them, and maybe they can sneak me in. And I walk in, and I look at everyone and go, none of the pe- I don't recognize anyone here. I ask for, like, the specific doctor's name that I know, and they say, oh, yeah, no, they've actually been let go, they like, quit. six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> It's very funny. Um, so now we go to the off the rails <laughs> segment, which is basically uh, if a talent shown is one possessed by the player, they describe the scene explaining how the, uh, the talent is being countermanded or prevented from working despite their best efforts, perhaps because the bad guys knew they were coming. The talent shown is not one possessed by the player. Then the card goes to the player with the fewest cards in front of them. They describe how the talent in question is used by the bad guys to frequently directly hurt, delay, or capture the group with them, they having no way to stop it. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, uh, oh, this is awful. I'm going to flip this one. 
Yep. Fast talk. I think that is. I, I got that one. All right. Um. <laughs> so what is it? We are countering them having this ability. Uh. So if the talent shown is one possessed by another character, they describe a scene explaining how their talent is being countermanded or prevented from working despite their best efforts. Perhaps because the bad uh, bad guys do they were talking. So you walked into this thing. You had a bunch of friends to check in, and then the moment you arrive, no one's there. Is how do you how, what's fast talk do now? So fast talk is well. Can I at least go into? Uh, can I at least go into uh, Riley's office? Doctor Riley had the uh, like those old uh metal that they were supposed to give me a long time back, and. We just exchanged a few letters. I'm, you know, I'm only going to be in town for a couple of days. I need to come get this letter. And there's just other uh, staring guard with like a blue coat sergeant right behind them saying. If Dr. Riley had something for you, why did they not keep it at your their house? Yeah. And it might even be a thing where you're like asking like a like a, a receptionist. And the moment you say Dr. Riley, they give you like a knowing nod and then look to the blue coats and the blue coats begin to approach. As if they already like detected that like your relationship mm-hmm. with with uh with Riley, Dr. Riley, was like they knew that you were coming through that way. And so that could be that could be that fun thing. So we're doing terribly. This is good though. We should be getting rid of these bad cards early, and so it's all good. Uh mm-hmm. do you want to flip the next card? Yep. Close combat. I think is that me or do I have shooting? You have gunplay. I have gunplay. So, good news is none of us have this, so we won't waste a card. Bad news is, um, if the talent shown is not one possessed by a player, then the card goes to the player with the fewest cards in front of them, breaking ties as before. They describe how the talent in question is used by the bad guys to directly hurt, delay, or capture the clue, with they having nowhere to stop this. So I think this might like jump over to me, um, standing at the wall, uh, and figure out how to like blow it up or whatever and then essentially what happens is the guards come over and, and like maybe they the, the dr riley thing happened and they were called into mm-hmm. alert and so they begin looking around um and then i'm just like standing there looking at a wall and they like look at me and then they just start like like they take out their their batons or whatever and they try and like hit me and i'm like i'm like trying to knock them off and like trying to like deflect them in a cool like spy way or whatever um but they're better at this than i am and so i'm just like i just get hit a bunch and i'm like this is this is bad and i just like bail i just like try and run away um (laughs) it's going bad oh boy i'm not counting cards either i'm not really sure how many cards i have i think we should probably jump over and like draw crosses over the cards we've used so i've used stealth uh and that's it I've only seen Fast Talk pop up. Oh my god. My god. It's wild that we got deep cover, but not disguise. Yeah, we'll get this. This is good. Using up all the bad cards is good. Um, So, let's, let's, with me running away and you being investigated by, by the guards, let's see what happens now. Control. Does anyone have control? No. <laughs> okay. I think it's your turn. <laughs> so. Okay. Keeping yourself and your other. I think, yeah, I think it's just a 
loss of control with like the blue go- uh blue coats coming up to uh reach and saying Dr. Riley has not been working here for some time. Mm. But if you know them, we need you to come with us. And Reach is like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I never agreed to this. I just wanted to come pick something up. And uh, there's like a nurse that's walking with a cart. And Reach immediately like grabs the cart, mm. shoves it towards the guards. And the gar- uh, blue coats immediately, one of the blue coats just like lifts up their foot and kicks it and sweeps the feet out from under Reach okay. with that cart. All right. <laughs> so like. Things are literally out of control. I think th- to to add on to that, there might be a thing where you might have had like a thing back at the base where you're like planning things out, pointing at explosives and stuff we might need, where you were like, all right, if anything goes bad, we meet at this certain point and I'm not going for that point. Like you you giving me mm-hmm. like good advice for what this doing, me avoiding close combat, I'm just basically bailing. I'm going in the wrong direction. And so similarly, this is keeping yourself and others clear of head instead of, of hand. This is me kind of going panicky as 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 this all sort of goes wrong. That having been done, let's jump to Act Three, which is all to plan. This is when it all goes good. Uh, who flipped the last card? Was that me or you? Uh, you did. Okay, yes, I will flip this one. Assistance. We have nothing. Ah. <laughs> ah. Oh, uh, no is one? this the Hollows coming out? Oh, is it? That could be interesting. Is this, uh, like, wait, hold on, hold the on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Let me double check this because all the plan is different. They don't just like send bad things to us. This could be good. Um, if the talent shown is not one possessed by a player, the cards blah 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 blah. Describe how the talent is no use in the heist because of the incredible security surrounding the target or the necessary conditions of the heist. This is not usually usually not done as a scene itself, but as a statement of the facts at play. So this is about how we don't have robot drones, adorable orphans, trained animals, or even one hundred pizza deliveries. So this isn't them using hollows against us. This is us being like, damn, we should have brought a bunch of hollows. So. Mm-hmm. Or, or like we may have, uh, what is it? In uh, Blades in the Dark. Uh, not cronies, not a. Uh, yeah, whatever it's called. Doesn't matter. We're playing the school. Yeah. We can figure out what the actual name yeah. is. But like. Toughs or whatever. Who, who would we yeah. bring? I bet you we had like someone who. It's like our patron of some kind. Mm-hmm. So I'm like someone who bankrolls all the gear yeah. that Reach brings. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, shouldn't I come along? You know, I think I'm an investor in this hospital. No, 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 no. it's too dangerous. There's yeah. going to be blue coats everywhere, military. Uh, it's just no, no. Yeah, we got this. We look confidently yeah. putting our hand on the explosive and think about all our close friends that are here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. All right. I will flip one. Break and enter. I think you hey. have this. Yep. All right. Walls, windows, cases, safes, locks. You break them. You enter. So as you're being yeah. escorted away, <laughs> how do you break and enter? So I think it's just like winded on the ground, gasping for air about to be dragged away Mm -hmm. um i think they're like dragging reach by the boots you know Mm -hmm. well dressed being carried by the boots and uh i think the thing that breaks is the uh like bootstraps themselves oh i've what if you like hold on on. i'll let let you continue but it it could be to pitch one you could be like locked up in a room and then you just walk out 
you'd be put in a cell in a hospital and then you just find a way out. But but please continue. That's just an idea. Actually, no, that's actually a much better way of doing it. I was just like trying to think of the immediate next action. Yeah. But no, the next scene that would happen after being captured would be uh, oh, the window. What if you just go out yeah. the window and climb up the wall? Like a weird person. Yeah, it's basically like they think they uh, tie me down to a bed, mm-hmm. secure me with like straps and such. And uh, for like the next 20 minutes, there's a guard in the room and then the guard leaves. And the entire time Reach is just uh, reaches out, grabs like the knife that the guard had in their back, back of the belt, mm-hmm. pulls it. And just very slowly, carefully is breaking the straps. And then the guard like steps out for a moment. Yeah. And right when that happens, there's a shatter of the window and reaches cl- scaling the wall. Yeah. I think like, and there was probably like a moment while like the, the guard was standing there. We're like, oh, I'm an expert. Uh, not, uh, 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 not and, and securing people to beds. I've been doing this since you were a child. And <laughs> like just brags about it. And then the moment you, they turn away, you're just like out of there. Mm-hmm. You're like better than them at this. Although like, to be honest, cutting a rope is not that hard. <laughs> like as long, as, yeah. long as you have a knife, that works. Um, okay. Feel free to flip the next card. All right. Let's see what we got. Ooh, that's not the thing. I'm- <laughs> oh, God. oh, I can delete. Uh, you're also a GM. You can get rid of it. There you go. All right. Flip card. Concealment. Concealment. You also have this, right? My time to shine. I'm like hiding somewhere. I'm having a terrible time. Boop, boop. Um, let me go ahead and mark off breaking enter real quick. Nice and easy. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, I think that's just like the next scene is. Um, uh, if you don't mind, it is running back to the point that like we were supposed to meet. And seeing Faceless like running around in a panic, uh, grabbing you, putting you onto a gurney, covering you up with a sheet, and then uh, hiding me. Yeah, hiding you. You haven't seen a forgotten. Okay. Yeah, and then just com- continuing to run away at that point, like you completely hidden, so you can stay stealthy, basically. Okay, I'm under a sheet. <laughs> no one can see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, like on a gurney, like a. A body being transported to the morgue. Oh, okay, I get that. Yeah, man. Hopefully, get with the the proof soon, because we're gonna, we're gonna have yeah. the hard time of it. Yeah, seriously. All right, Act Four. My time to flip. Gunplay. I have that. Do I not? Mm-hmm. I do. You do. Yes. Okay. Uh, so. Using gunplay, I get outsmarted, I believe. Uh, if talent shows one possessed by the player, they describe the scene explaining how the talent is being countermanded or prevented from working despite their best efforts, perhaps because the bad guys knew they were coming. Um, so I'm on a gurney and I'm being wheeled into potentially like a morgue. I feel like that makes sense. And it's in the basement next to the records room that I'm at. Um, and so underneath this thing, I think there's maybe like a shot of me being put into this, um, into the, the morgue, uh, box thing that's horrifying to be in. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just like reach into my coat and pull out like a flintlock pistol and I'm just like sitting there and I'm just like, this isn't going to help me. I'm trying to sneak. And so I'm here with my gun and I'm just like shifting around, trying to move out. 
and like having the gun at the ready in case it helps but it won't because if i shoot this gun people are going to be on me in a second and i'm also trying to be stealthy but I, this is all i have i'm not very good at close combat but i have this and so i i, I try and shift to get out all right uh so do you want to flip the next card yes i will oh yeah this is a really fun easy <laughs> game hey we're driving <laughs> what what am i doing is this ghost also horse, like ghost horse ghost horse <laughs> what does that mean there's no horses in blaze the duck um i don't know but there are ghost horses okay uh so i think what this is is i might like get out and because we're so close to the end of this game i might get out of the 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 um the morgue uh walk around with my gun and my sheet and I'm just like kind of like wandering around quietly. I can hear all the guards outside and I might actually like find the proof we're looking for. That's just like there and it's like got like documents and all this thing and I have it in my hand. Um, and then I look at the door that I came in with, with uh, the, like through the mor morgue and that's got blue coats everywhere. And then I look at the other one, the records door, and that's also got like blue coats moving around. Uh, and then I look outside and I see the wagon we brought with the with the many goats at the front and it's right there. I think there's like it's like ready to go. It's parked in exactly the right place. We might even have like someone ready to just like take off and I have no way of getting to them because the window is too small. And so I'm just like shit. And so I'm here with my gun and all this <laughs> thing. And then we go into the final card. Now, before we flip this final card, let me just let me just go over the rules what happens um this is the fun bit because this is the end uh uh the final card is the game plays the same all the way through the axe until only one card is left the final card applies as normal but with a twist if it has a talent a crew member possesses then they use it to strike the final blow grab the score and escape unharmed and unfollowed brackets at least for now and brackets the final card is a talent. If the final card is a talent the crew lacks, then the player who gets the card has a choice. They can uh, watch as the score slips through their fingers and they choose to uh, and they choose to leave it behind to save everyone. Or their character can sacrifice their life to get the score and the others out. Third option, they turn out to be evil the whole time and run off with the score. In either case, you, have a, <laughs> you can set up a sequel for your next game. The bad guys seek revenge, or you get go back and steal the thing you almost got, and get payback for your dead friend. Um, so this last card is going to determine what this is. If this is anything we 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 have, any skill we have, which so far we've got a lot of cards we don't have, uh, and so this could be helpful for, for us. So if you want to flip this last card, we'll figure out how it goes. It's Fuck. one of the only ones we don't have. Wait, no, you must have it, right? Technician? No, I don't have technician. You have gear. I have gear, I have signals, and I have forgery. Fuck. Well, this has been terrible. This has been a terrible. <laughs> it's been so bad at it. Uh, so I'm in the morgue with this thing. What happens? How does this? How does this occur? Like, what does technician phase into this? Let me let me hmm. think about this. If the card is a talent the crew likes and the player who gets the card has a choice. They can watch the score slip through their fingers and they choose to leave it behind to save everyone or their character can sacrifice the others to get the score and the others out. 
So I think this is you. Like, this is, like, I'm mm-hmm. the thing. I could probably pass this thing through the window. But what happens then? I mean, if you want to not sacrifice yourself and I can sacrifice myself, that can also work. But I mean, so we talked about Reach hiding you in a gurney and hiding you in a morgue. Yes. Using concealment. I just Reach was you. never able to hide. So I think they are like making a entire ruckus. And let me just look back over my other abilities. Uh, <laughs> Your many, many other abilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. So Forgery, what is- gear, signals, break into, fast talk, concealment. Jesus. So, oh, <laughs> we are trying to find proof that yes. they are making hollows in this hospital. Yeah. That means these ghosts are somewhere. Oh, no. So what do you think? First, let's ask the question of what do you think the proof is? I think it's just like a just like my 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 basic writer brain is just like this is just a thing that describes how they do it. Like this is like a description of how the, the procedure works, how they take out the ghosts um, or whatever. They wrote this down for some dumb reason. But I think that's a good idea. So if you have any better idea, please tell me. Yeah, I think what you have with you is like a collection of the spirit jars where like all the ghosts are being contained. Okay. They are like pulled out and still very much sentient and conscious because we have that uh, circle of ghosts and bla- that like are very much like still able to interact with folks and hire crews to do jobs for them. Mm-hmm. And so what Reach went and did was find uh, the rest of the hollows and smeared like some kind of like ectoplasm or something to get them all riled up and basically just started a riot in the hospital. Okay. And so <laughs> there's this entire chaotic factor going on uh, and just shuts down the uh, go- like the there are these electro fields that are like containing the ghosts and such as well. And as Reach is like running around, getting surrounded by guards, they uh find the one uh find where all the hollows being contained mm. and just start uh setting them all loose. And there is a uh electric field that's like keeping them all calm and relaxed mm. and just pulls out a uh, pipe yeah. and just swings as hard as possible and it blows up. Yeah. Sets the hollows loose and gives you an opening to find a way to escape. Um and so I think it's 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 maybe a thing where I'm just like I'm outside as the hospital is like on fire or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's all just a mess, and I like wait for you for a moment and like look around. Um and then I think a thing where I look down, put my head in my hands, and when I raise my head up, I have a different face. And I'm just like, all right, keep on doing it. Do the next bit, mm-hmm. and I, I, you don't, you don't come out. I presume. Um, oh no! And the heist gets done, and I run away with it, and give it to give the souls back or something, or give the proof to like a newspaper because there's like a newspaper in Blades of the Dark or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, the ink rakes. Yeah, and yeah. So that's that's the score. Um, how how did you like it? How did you feel about it? It's very interesting mm. and quick. I. I like it in the same way I like for the queen in which I can just straight up say, hey, we're going to play a quick game. Yeah. And then we play a really quick game. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it like describes, like it sort of says in the rules, this is, what does it say? It says like, ideally, this is a, a game for um, like, this is a, a game to play up as a warm up for like a D&D game or like anything else. Like, it's kind of like a really fun thing to get everyone sort of warmed up before the game starts. Um, my concern coming into this was that I would take too long because whenever it comes to describing heists, um, it is very, uh, it takes me, I, I go all into it. I'm just like, oh, here's all the cool things. But just like the cards and all this thing kept me ready to go. Um, and it was really fun that, that it really, like, I was worried when we got to the end that we didn't have the item yet, but it really just sort of says you don't get the item until act five. And that was really mm -hmm. fun. Um, also to, to let you know the, the odds of everything, um, I believe there are 24 cards in total and we have 12. So we had a 50, 50 chance of doing it no matter what, um, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Um, and so, yeah, this, this, this game is on Kickstarter. It's pretty rad. I like the art. I like, I like the mechanics of it. Um, I was initially, I was wondering like when we had the options, the, the two options at the very start of of we can have hospital or desert slash forest slash tundra and the proof of the truth i was like should we have three cards and so we can design it easier but it's like with two cards it's so easy i was just mm. like i was i really enjoyed how you just sort of picked it up and ran with it um i like the mechanics i like that we could i like that we're both familiar enough with blaze the dark that we can just sort of take it and run with it um and yeah yeah that's that's definitely something i like really like about it too because it it's a good like narrative drive it kind of gets you say it kind of gets you to one yes and other folks just like mm. follow through with what they're thinking be open to other ideas yeah and share that thought process and then kind of encourages like hey what kind of person is this person right in front of you and gives you a good plethora of skills to think about yeah that I like makes them a very specific kind of skilled talented individual yeah i think the one thing that kind of got me is like trying having to decide whether like whose turn it was or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was just fun that we just like anyone who had an idea could just jump in and sort of play it or like anyone yeah. who had a skill, which we never had any skills. Um, and I feel like that, like some of it, like I wish like some of the, I wish I didn't have to go back and like read over some of the rules here and there, like about like, like what does it mean when we're off the rails and we get a car we don't have and having to think of it that way. I wish there was just like some like slightly easier thing. It wasn't hard, but it was just like, <laughs> I wish there was just like something else that like made it stick in my brain a little bit more, but I don't yeah. know. At the, at the same time, that was fun. That was easy. It was easy to set up, easy to sort of play through, easy to make a character. Um, and it was a terrible heist. We did it all. <laughs> it was just a really bad heist. We yeah. were just way too cocky about it and <laughs> no planning. No, by no fault of our own, which is kind of fun. It really nails that. But yeah. Um, and yeah. Shout outs to this game and shout out to Steve D. And again, this game is on <laughs> Kickstarter. So be sure to check it out. <laughs> link will be um, below. And also like the the Yes, link link below. And also uh the things we're currently playing with are also available. Um if you go to the Kickstarter page, it gives you a link to 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 like press materials and stuff like that. So you can like have a, um, a test of it before <laughs> you play. Um, and there's also going to be a print version. Um, it's, it's in Australia. And so luckily it's going to be cheaper for me than anyone else. If you want to get a print version. 
Um, but if you want to mess around with Roll20 or something, it's easy to get like a, um, a digital copy ready as well. I just realized this is a game. These are the same people who made the game partners, which I've seen in a lot of different game stores. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's move on to our main topic. Having done that weird, weird ass thing, uh, which is pitching a campaign. Now, this was an idea that, 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 that you, you pitched, uh, Cole, which was, uh, what's it like yeah. to pitch a campaign? Yeah, and like many things, I just have to be listening to different podcasts, different shows of mm-hmm. people talking about like their experiences at a table and GMing and such. And like I even mentioned this topic to a friend of the show, uh, Ashenworks of Huntsman's Hydra. And we kind of talked about like pitching a campaign campaign to a table, especially when like I'm still holding on to this one descriptor mm-hmm. that a, a friend of Brandon when I went to go see him up in Dallas said about me and him where we engage with tabletop RPGs very differently than a home game. Yeah. Whereas a home game uh, a lot of times especially in like your basics it's just like people come together to play a really unique very broad kind of a board game mm-hmm. but they get to kind of figure out the rules more as they go. They get to kind of change the rules and uh, interact with the world in a very different way than say, if you were playing, Oh God, I'm thinking of root the tabletop RPG versus root the board game now. Yeah. Just that interaction. Cause like, especially uh, and Minar, you also have a bit of experience with this as well too, where like when we go into charity games, when we go into one shots or go into various events Mm -hmm. with a short campaign in mind or we're doing a one shot we do it with the idea of like i want it to be a very compelling story that kind of showcases and highlights what the game is yeah and uh one of the questions you have on here is like what's it like to pitch a campaign for something like huntsman's hydra yeah which i'm i'm curious about because again i've i've only played like one shots i've done like two one shots for like huntsman's hydra and i haven't i haven't pitched a show like i've just like occasionally we're just like oh let's play let's it's me in the middle of a podcast being like hey let's play the the <laughs> the, score the score just quickly but it's never something that i'm like pitching an idea for a group yeah and this kind of varies according to what kind of group you're going to mm-hmm. uh but we have our season two of sort of the serpentine out now mm-hmm. and this was actually a show that was pitched uh a year and a half ago and so sort of the serpentine by kevin culp mm-hmm. uh was actually on kickstarter around that time and uh Commander Pulsar wanted to showcase this game, get people interested in it, get people excited about it from Pelgrane Press. Yeah. And, you know, and in some of our circles of uh, people that we met that are game designers, um, I think specifically the uh, uh, group that we did City and Craft with, like, they know sort of the Serpentine, which I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize y'all knew it. Yeah. And that way, this was a pitch for showcasing a game. Yeah. So you, you started with a game and then built a campaign around that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, versus Jamie Wolf, who is the GM of Fire in the Dark, their pitch for a game was they wanted to talk a sto- uh, keep a story that was a almost sequel to their own Blades in the Dark campaign that they ran with some people who are around Huntsman's Hydra, mm-hmm. kind of keep that in universe. But they want to do a story about power going rampant, uh, corruption, mm. drugs, and uh, how it affects the environment in the city. Yeah. And 
what's really funny about that is they actually didn't know who the villain was. The main villain was going to end up being for season one until like episode three, episode four. Yeah. It was, what is it? One of your rivals or something? It was our patron. Right. Who okay. uh, is now our rival. Yeah. And pitching it that way, it's also just like you've already built yourself up as like a trusted friend. Uh, Jamie has run games before. Uh, Brandon knows them very well. When you pitch a campaign, you're kind of trying to talk about how accessible a game is. Like, is it something new? Is it something fresh? Are you teaching people the system just mm -hmm. to teach people the system? Or do you have a general idea of what the story is? So, like, uh, if you are on Dropout TV, there's a series called Adventuring Academy. And uh, they focus a lot on, uh, well, D&D-based campaigns with a lot of different hacks. And they're thrown into different fantasy or sci-fi modules and such mm -hmm. that make them different unique you know they have one that's about uh magic being in the city of new york and then there's the sleeping city which is where all the magic comes from yeah and the barrier between the two or you know they do their own game of thrones thing and yeah. the pitch for those are to be these really dramatic uh references to stories that we are familiar with with ideas we are familiar with but at the same time kind of hit hard and hit home on different character notes. Yeah. Uh, when you're, you know, a well-recognized GM who has that kind of background. Actually, I think the best one to reference would be Adventure High, which was their very first season where uh, it was supposed to be like a comedy show. Mm. And the point of it being to entertain and to be enjoyable. You kind of have to think about that when you write the pitch. Like, who are you casting to set the table with you? What? your interactions with them like what kind of training and background do they have yeah and they're all like former college humor i think like current college humor people at the time but that's that's since wrapped up yeah college humor of course being burnt to the ground because facebook wanted them to put all their content on there and then fucked them up yeah as they did with a lot of people back then that was kind of shitty um yeah but yeah it's, i also want to like point out that like the two systems that you talked about having like exploring it more broadly was it is it is mm -hmm. D D. And it is like various yeah. like takes on D and D, but it is sort of like exploring what is possible within that. Like they don't tend to play pre-existing games, but they do things like you know, um, uh, uh, is it Unsleeping City or Sleeping City? Uh, I think it's the Unsleeping City. Unsleeping City, where it's basically just like Neil Gaiman kind of uh, uh, what's it called? Never, I I don't remember any names now, but uh, Neil Gaiman did a book about the secret underground of London and how it, uh, uh, how all this thing, like wrote a book about it and had like a TV show about it. Um, and that was like a big inspiration for that. And so that was really cool because you could see a system like, like D and D and see like what you can do with it. You can place it in the, uh, the oh, one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're talking about Neverwhere, which is uh London below number one. Yes. I don't think there's another one. I think that's the only one. Oh no, there's there's a short story. There's a short story about There's a short story with it. But yeah, Neverwhere being the Yeah. And so it it is kind of interesting that it is exploring like D D and showing what is possible. There's like a paladin who's like a an axe what's it called? A a, a fire fireman? I'm bad with names. Yeah, a firefighter who's like he's the voice of the people yeah. and his whole thing is protecting the people and such. There's a cleric who's yeah. like a nurse. Um yeah, this kind he of is like a late night shift nurse. Uh you have a uh stoner slash uh drug addict who is a sorcerer yes um you have a actual talking rat that's a druid yes and 
No, no, no. It wasn't it a isn't a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing or something? Uh, yeah, kinda. Like, basically, I think. Uh, I thought it was like a monk or something. Yeah. Well, no, he's a uh, druid because he okay. has like the shaman ability, right? Where uh, he can summon. There's like the three animal spirits and such, but they skin it to be like different animals that you would see in uh, New York. So like the power of the juicy cockroach. Yeah. Gross. Being the ability there. Uh, yeah. My my point being that like it's kind of interesting that they pick systems that is like kind of complex. You can do a lot with like doing it like mm-hmm. a, a high school thing, doing like a Candyland thing, doing all this sort of thing um, as opposed yeah. to something like like. Uh, sort of the serpentine which is sort of like that is exploring that system and that kind of thing like a lot of the times when i'm thinking of like pitches that i want to do like for games i'm doing not as a stream or whatever just like to play sometimes it's just like i want to play as the sun forever sets i want to play what that game is and i can have a take on it i guess but mostly i just want to experience the game itself yeah and so i'm kind of interested in seeing like the way that it like people go for d for D &D and blaze the dark and sort of explore like more crunchy kind of games is that what it is that i don't know that's kind of what it is i think so like we're my uh in town group we're going back into playing D 3.5 again uh because mm-hmm. the uh our dm was like i really do want to start playing again soon because i know we're all busy yeah. but if we can find some time if not i'm going to try and find another group to play with i was like no i do want to get back into playing with y'all because i also want to sneak in more blades in the dark with you guys but uh <laughs> And, like, the campaign pitches that typically come about is, like, hey, what kind of story do y'all want to tell? Uh, what kind of level do you want to get up to? This next one we have coming up is a, like, genuine one-shot adventure. And so my friend, what he does is he actually goes out of the way to look for different modules and, like, pre-published adventures and will adjust them to the table in order to kind of fit the story notes that everyone wants to hit. Um Yeah. So like in our level uh, 20 adventure, I'm trying to remember what that one was. I think that was the uh, I was a druid in that and she was a dust blade. Uh, she was a adopted person, a human who was trained under uh, elves and half elves to be this basically like spell sword type of person and mm-hmm. to uh, learn about her history, which is she was a very specific. Uh, she is a like last child of a very specific culture that died out that had a unique uh way of speaking like air elemental and was like yeah. the thing that stopped a demon from ramp a uh, demon or a uh, undead god from rampaging this was like four or five years ago when we did this campaign i don't remember much that seems a lot though yeah he also like does it to where like he will map out the campaign and go okay everyone's told me their backstories they've told me their different story notes which ones am I going to hit on and what arc of mm. this module? You know, that's kind of his whole pitch is like, here's the basic idea. Build your character around that and tell me where we're going from there. And it's still yeah. somewhat kind of railroaded. I, It's not my favorite thing, but I also like the people I play with, so I'm more OK with. I think it's like the biggest thing yeah. about pitching home games, too, is like. Pitching campaigns, especially in a home setting or like a manga friend group is make sure it's around people you enjoy being with. Like, you're going to spend three to four hours with these folks. Like, yeah. if you can't enjoy a car ride with them, don't play with them. Yeah. I think that's definitely a hard part. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to... Uh, um, What kind of prep do you do for something like that? Like, um, do you... Like, I think we've talked before that, like, um, my, my, an earlier question was, what was the favorite ca- campaign you've run? 
but like i think you said that you didn't run you haven't run like a campaign yourself you i have yeah doing one shots i haven't really run a full campaign on its own i've done like little short stories and like something that's like a three shot mm. basically that i try to make into a one shot real it's not gonna be that long so we meet up again and then we meet up again uh yeah i i think the favorite my favorite kind of campaign site typically pitch though are those where I'm like, hey, we're going to take some time. We're going to build the world together and kind of figure out what it's like. Let's play the quiet year. Let's play for the queen. Let's play this or that. Let's play bleak spirit. You know, yeah. Throw a game out there first and say, OK, uh, since you all are familiar and recognize D&D, we're going to stick with that system uh, to talk about one of my favorite my campaign pitches. I would love to do. I really want to mm-hmm. do uh, the brightest things we've ever known. And have this be the fall of a group of colony ships, people and like the stars are losing a ongoing battle. And yeah, uh, think, destiny, right? Yeah, basically do the destiny thing with the watcher and then have mm. them all come crashing down on an Earth like area and give them an option of like either give them like a few options that they can build up to, which is either one magic ruminates throughout the entire galaxy and we pl- people are able to build mechanical mechanical hybrids with nature and have that sense of channeling and magic and we play armor Sir advent hmm. or technology is scorned and uncertain and fearful because the stars were not able to protect them in the right way and so we play uh songs for the dusk uh was Am I right into setting? Was this like a pitch for for Huntsman's Hydra at one point, or is this just basically something you've been working on the background? This is a pitch for Huntsman's Hydra, but also something I've been working on the background. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of flip flopping on which game I want to run first. Yeah, but also I need to find time. So, all right, all right. <laughs> I have a question for that specifically, which is like, what kind of work goes into like creating a pitch? Like, what would you have to present before like Huntsman's Hydra in order to do this? <laughs> so, like, if I was to go. Go forward to a group and say, hey, I want to run this campaign. Here is the pitch for the idea. I would, chances are, I would, the way I would set up a pitch, the way I would investigate it is like, here is the base system. This is a Forge in the Dark solar punk system Mm -hmm. uh, that focuses on a post-apocalyptic yet still hopeful world where technology runs rampant. But there are empires around the door. Communities are falling apart. And there is something beneath that is trying to stop, uh, devour the world. And if you go past this mountain range, you will not be seen again. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is reveal the project of one small nation that has been so well protected, no matter how much the Empire knocks down their door, they are always pushed back. And that is they are heading back into space because they got a message from a satellite. All right. That would be kind of my pitch. It's like, I have my beginning goal here. I want this to focus on a community of people who are working to protect themselves from an empire. And they go out, they get resources. Uh, investigate places, build up their community and strength. And the end of the campaign, what I want to see is them either go to space or fail. That sounds pretty cool. That sounds really <laughs> neat. I'm like trying to think of a follow-up question, but that's just a good pitch. <laughs> um, I think it's just like when you are ongoing writing a campaign, Yeah, there is the simple route where we can do what my friend, uh, my friend Dane does, which is look at a module and do mo- uh, modifications to it which take about 30 minutes to an hour yeah or if you're building from the ground up you gotta carve out like two to three hours uh a yeah. week minimum you know you have to do the austin walker thing of find a coffee shop sit down hunker down do your world building and go out yeah i don't know i i i have my desk and i'm very happy to just sort of sit there and work and it's mm-hmm. 
I, I, whenever I'm like doing a, a, a pitch of some kind, like generally I just like read through a thing and say some shit. Like uh, it sounds like you've been sitting down and like really working with the world building and stuff like that. When it comes to a campaign, I would not really start with the world building until I'm like sitting down with people and doing stuff. Although I would like spend a lot of time familiarizing myself with the system because I'm like worried that I won't get it or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that definitely works too. I think it's just like the pitch for a show that's going to be streamed versus a pitch for people around a table. Mm -hmm. And we can look at role plus bond as an example of that people go in with pitches, uh, story pitches all the time. Like, hey, I want to play the system. Mm -hmm. Let's grab a channel who wants to play this with me. Yeah. So, okay, so cool. to 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 what what is role plus bond for people who are just tuning in for the first time? Uh, role plus bond is a one shot. Well, typically a one shot group of individuals who love tabletop RPGs, who love creative world building and fun interactions between good friends in a very similar way that Friends at the Table pitches every at every episode. That's because they were originally fans at the table. Yeah. And now it over the past four years, it's grown into a community of game testers, uh, writers, people who just love playing tabletop RPGs with fun, interesting people mm. who have these discussions about the nuances of the game mechanics and uh, learn together and recently just did a 72 hour charity stream over the past weekend. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but they raised over. $8,404.99 for Trans Lifeline. No, they raised exactly that amount of more. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've been in this group for the since it started. I kind of stepped back a bit because I've been busy with real life stuff. Yep. That is more that is more money than the past th the first three years of charity that they've done combined. Yeah. It's great. Which is fucking wild. Um yeah. and I think like it's also worth noticing that it is it is a group of it is a large group. Like, I think it is several hundred people or something now. I don't know how many people currently. Let's see if I can figure out. There are 197 it's... people online. God knows how many offline. Uh, and it is basically a group of, of strangers. Like, when we first joined in, there, hold on, there's 293 offline. When we first joined, mm -hmm. when you pitched a, a game to play, uh... It, there was a chance that it might not work out. Like you might pitch a thing, no one's interested in, mm -hmm. and that's not not in, not gonna happen. Yeah. Currently, with the way it works, is you pitch a thing and it works because there's a lot of people all wanting to play the game, and generally mm -hmm. you don't tend to play with with people you know. You generally tend to sit down with like complete strangers and play through a thing. It can be kind of weird like that, but that's that's how it's currently working. Yeah. And you get to meet different people from like all different types of time zones too. Like yeah. <laughs> It's really funny, too, because when I first think about this group, I remember uh, I think I talked about this in the early episode, but like that test project of, hey, let's play the quiet year. But on certain card draws, let's actually zoom in and play a different game for that. God. And that kind of came from this group. And like all those people who are part of that were in this group as well. As if quiet year wasn't long enough. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's very funny. But yeah, no, Role Plus Bond is a fantastic group. If you want to check out like how the games interact and what kind of games they play, go check out their YouTube where they have Role Plus Bond. They also have a Twitch VODs up and saved too. If you want to check those out, the very first year was the uh, uh, wonderful game, I believe it was Breaking T uh, Ocean Tides, which was a Firebrands based game. With art for Annie by Annie Johnson Glick. Mm -hmm. Fantastic fucking game. Really cool. Yeah. But uh, to kind of throw the question back to you, Marley, what are some 
you you've done a few campaign pitches yourself. What are some of the favorite ones that you've pitched? Um, ones that I've done or ones that I've like wanted to play or played in. Well, it's like, yeah, or wanted to play too. Like, what is someone thrown at you and say, "Hey, I have this idea for a campaign." I don't know. Would you be interested if we did? You know, I think like the the when I'm thinking about it, like. I often like it's it's kind of interesting because like a lot of things around like the tabletop like industry is a, a lot of it is pitching like a lot of it is is like the the pitches that I've done that have been successful have been things where I'm just like I want to play D and D who wants to play D and D or who wants to play Call of Cthulhu my first game or it's been who wants to play Blaze the Dark. And mm-hmm. it's me sort of explaining what that system is, like what its selling points are and stuff like that, and the things we're capable of. And people who are interested, um, like I think the, the Blazing Dark campaign was just like a bunch of people in Roll Plus Blonde, plus some people from other groups who've just been like, let's let's sit down and play this. And those have been my friends for many, many years now. And yeah, and it tends to be basically like, here's a system, let us play within it. This is the things that are possible. And a lot of the times we don't know what's possible and we just sort of like figure it out and flesh it out as we play. And once they're in, it's been like a, it gets to be a really fun time when I can sort of experiment and do different things. Um, sometimes I have like overarching stories, a lot of which I don't get to. Like I had this whole like plot with my D&D campaign about introducing Gauntero Dim from Witcher 3 DLC, who is like a, a wish granting person who makes everything worse. And just having like a whole sub campaign, but like the first bit of it just took so long that we never got to that. We got to like level eleven. And we just like let's stop it here. But yeah, I've I've I tend to find that that tends to work a lot better than me being like I have a high concept thing. Like I've never really done a thing mm-hmm. where I'm just like let's do D and D instead of a high school, or let's do let's do uh something but kind of like stir it up. And I I don't know why that is that it, I've never really done that successfully. It could just be that people just want to have the regular system and not really mess around with it too much. But I don't know. At the same time, I do tend to like mix in stuff I like anyway. Like I had big blaze the uh, uh sorry dishonored themes in my D and D campaign. That was like a big part of it, just because that's stuff I liked and I could throw it in anyway. That yeah, I mean. A lot of times that's kind of how you mix it up a bit and make those campaigns a bit more unique and different as well, too, is if you pull in those other themes, stuff that's like somewhat familiar or uh, that people are like, oh, shit, I know what this is. You know, it's like the weird walkers in uh, Dishonored uh, 2 or Dishonored 1 that you can do the really cool assassination animation on. Yeah, the still dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I know you said you mostly like don't really pitch anything high system. Do you have or high concept or that? Or there would there be any specific that you kind of wanted to pull on to write if you wanted to build a campaign from the ground up? Um, like I generally start with a system. The thing I'm slowly learning. Like yeah, um, like I think there was at one point where like I worked backwards, where I like a lot of friends were into. What was that League of Legends show that everyone was wild about a year ago? Arcane. Arcane. I like watched that and I'm like, they could have done better. They could have done like more with it and done like more. Very, I don't know. The politics in that one is a bit weird. I don't like it as much. But I was <laughs> like, hey, everybody, do you like the idea of an upper city and a lower city? Well, let me introduce you to Heart, the city beneath, or Spire, 
where which is all about the differences in classes and the difference between working between these two groups and about having weird special abilities. You know that show you like that I don't like called Arcane? What if you played this? <laughs> and like ultimately it wasn't a p- group of people I really wanted to play something with and it didn't work out and that was fine. But yeah, it's it's like that's the way I sort of approach that kind of thing or it's just like if I know that someone's interested in something, I will try and like steer it towards that. But it's generally not a thing where I'm just like, I want to, I like this thing and I want to play a game like this. Having said that, I have written games. Like I have a lot of the, the games I've written, like, like Apocalypse Road Trip is strongly inspired mm. by BPRD Hell on Earth, which is a comic I fucking love. Like the idea of just being like, Apocalypse has happened and people are wandering town to town and just like kind of solving issues. Um, and so you're just like a, a a weird fish person hiding on a train and like you get off the train and then like, oh, a bunch of people have been eaten by a vampire who are covered in mushrooms. I'm like, that's cool. I want to have a game where I can sort of play through that. Or it's a thing where like I made a character sheet for a Dishonored RPG because I was really excited for Deathloop. And so I was like, what would Deathloop be like? Like, I have to wait another year before Deathloop comes out. And so I sort of sit down and sort of like figure out how it would work as an RPG. So if I ever finish that game, I can be like, oh, now I can play the idea of Deathloop that I had, like what that could be like. <laughs> um, but for campaigns, like I'm not a person who plays many campaigns currently. Like I have one session of a Bl- Brindlewood Bay campaign that's sort of happening and that's it. Like I'm sort of like playing <laughs> less and less nowadays. Like I do one shots and I do like things in the middle of a podcast, but it's generally like, I don't know. I tend to be a person who reads more than I like pitch campaigns or play campaigns. I think that kind of happens in general, mm. though. Like, I think the hardest part about pitching a campaign is keeping it going, too. Because, yeah. uh, like, I've straight up told people, hey, I can't I would love to do this weekly. I can't I physically no. cannot. No. Can we meet every other week? Can we meet once a month? Yeah. Like, that's always like my ongoing pitch is just like i love this game i would love to be a part of the story that you and share my uh contribute my part to the story you want to tell yeah but also i need a little bit more time just hit me up like in a couple weeks we'll meet up play the game yeah meet up in a couple weeks after i think that's the hardest part about pitching a campaign is just making sure people are invested and want to learn about yeah it's so much work like as a former GM, it was just like a nightmare to prepare. I love doing mm-hmm. it, but like, man, it is so e- it's so much easier not doing it and like writing tables mm-hmm. on RPGs, just being like, oh, this would be cool. Someone played it. Hell yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's also kind of speaks about the familiarity of the system. If you're more familiar with the system, you can, it's super easy to run a campaign. You just talk to your people, be like, what's your character like? What are their major notes? Mm-hmm. Great. Cool. We'll hit upon all those as we go. Yeah. I suppose uh, as a as a final question, do you have any advice for someone who would be like, like I don't know, like is there is there a, like a, a thing where someone goes up to a, a channel like like Huntsman's Hydra and wants to be like, I want to pitch a campaign. Like, do you have any advice for them? Like, what what's a a good way of doing? Yeah, it? I and I don't know if my advice is actually the perfect advice, but I'm going to tell you. We want the perfect advice, Cole. Yeah, I know you want the perfect advice. I yeah. cannot. I am not perfect, therefore do not expect perfection. We'll get the hell uh, out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> I have a good night, y'all. This is now the Marley Inside the Table show. Take- I, I also don't have perfect advice. Fuck. 
<laughs> but um so when you pitch a campaign make it one like make sure you have a beginning and an end point but leave that flexibility leave that moldability for it not to just be a story you're telling but a story your cast is telling with you you want yeah. to uh you want to be very clear in how long you want to run the show and then be but still have a little bit of that like moldability to where it's not just Oh, yeah, no, I would love to be in a campaign and kill God. I hmm. don't want to be railroaded the entire time on my journey there because of that. I don't want to kill God. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe I don't want to kill God. Maybe I want to remind them of their uh, mortal selves that they used to be in the past 10 million years or whatever. Yeah, ever thought of that, GM? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Also, it's it's so much fun, like... So much fun of 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 running uh, tabletop RPGs and playing with people is just seeing the wild shit they do. I've said this a million mm -hmm. times, and like, yeah, it is it is a lot more yeah. fun when you don't railroad them and do stuff like that. Another way to kind of put yourself and get that pitch out to them is also say, you know, I would love to sit down and kind of talk about this. Maybe you be open in availability to do chemistry tests with folks too, or uh, recommend a few people to work with you and say, say what made you want to go to this channel specifically to pitch their show? What did they mm. do in the past that really attracted you? Yeah. Kind of talk them up and say, I want to pitch this show because I think this fits with the major themes and ideas and the uh, statement that y'all want to make as a channel, as yeah. a studio, as a insert creative aspect here. Yeah. Now, what the fuck is a chemistry test? A chemistry test is when you uh, have people selected for a cast. And so you do. It's not really a session zero. It's more like a session point five where people will come together and say, hey, this is what I like to see in the world. This is what my character is going to be like. This is how my character interacts with the world. This is what mm -hmm. they've experienced in the past. Uh, this is a big obstacle they mm -hmm. want to challenge and go, OK, great. Here are the other people on your cast. Let's do uh Let's do a quick blades in the dark score one to get y'all used to the system. See if anyone needs to learn anything about it and to just kind of see how y'all bounce yeah. off each other in the table. Uh, we did that for sort of the serpentine. We did that for fire in the dark uh, Parker and John, who were my fellow castmates on the show were unfamiliar. Rue came in and Z knew <laughs> the system already. And I, I haven't worked with Rue, but I know Rue's energy. So I know I can like jump off of that and, they can be pleasantly haunted and uh, just the right amount of creepy, but sweet at the same time. Yeah. Rue plays a fantastic fucking character. And also you should go listen to this party of one episode. Uh, they were in a few weeks back called, uh, it's not sanctuary. It is called our level destroys with, uh, with uh, Jeff Stormer and Rue Dickey. Yeah. Uh, but like a chemistry test is kind of just to see how people feel, see if you feel comfortable and you know, uh, and it's not just about the lines and veils and the X's and O's, the red light, green light, yellow light on check-ins, but also, can I improvise a scene with this person that is emotional mm. or uh, interesting for both of our characters that we are both invested in, no matter how difficult it is, and feel comfortable and okay with each other afterward? Yeah. Or will that, or is this person going to kind of run off and be like, oh, well, I'm the rogue, so I'm going to go steal their wallet. <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's a chemistry test. Okay, that's interesting. It's I think like also an, another thing is a big part of pitching a campaign is like n knowing who you want to play with and who you want to hang with, and that's like a huge part of it. I think that's also another thing too when you're pitching a campaign for a channel. Mm -hmm. 
make sure you're also I fucking hate saying this because it's capitalist as hell, but like kind of put yourself out there, interact with folks in the community, hmm. you know, uh, again, I got to go back to role plus bond, role plus one bond is what got me interested in tabletop RPG streaming and streaming in general, putting my voice out there. Yeah. Was from that very first year back in uh, 2020. And it was like the most fun shit I've ever done. And now I'm like, I want to keep doing this. I wish I could do it professionally. Did we, but... start, we started way before 2020, right? They started in 2019, and then the first show That's was true. 2020. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was way before then. I thought it was doing like I'm, 2018 or something. I'm pretty sure it was 2019. Wow. I got no idea about the time. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, I know it was before COVID. But that's it. It was right before COVID because I think I was still working at a hotel at that time. Hmm. Well, let me double check. Oh, yeah, they did Starforge over that weekend. Uh, three years ago. Yep. Uh, wow. So 2020. God. So, yeah, any 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 final thoughts about pitching a campaign or anything like that? Make it something you want to have fun in. Yeah. For the love of fuck. And make it something that you also want your table to have fun in, too. Like, these are both things that can intersect greatly. Yeah. If you're not excited about it, your table will feel it and that will come out in the campaign. Yes. Which is probably a big reason my, my arcane pitch didn't take off. But I'm just like, I don't care about this. <laughs> I just want to play mm -hmm. something else. Um, so if there's nothing else, should we proceed on to shout outs? Yeah, let's start shouting some stuff out. All right. What would you like to shout out? Take it away. What would you like to shout out? I've been talking for a hot minute. All right, fine. Um, so Kalazcon, which which we uh, did an episode about um is 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 finishing its funding campaign in a couple days i think like after this goes live four days four days but then i also have to edit this so check it out the moment you hear this podcast and 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 give it a funding we did we did a really great interview with austin ramsey about the mechanics of it about making a democracy mini game for a really good mech game and like seeing how like backroom deals can sort of shape stuff up and it also has like a number of really interesting uh, uh uh gms that is correct um and a number of really interesting players which is a lot of people from Roll plus bond with with cole and a lot of other people and i want to see the hell out of this um there's lots of art that austin ramsey's been posting so be sure to like click on the campaign check it out and if you're interested, go ahead and fund it because it's rad. We have plenty of spots left open to sponsor an episode. Yeah. And you can even drop some names for NPCs. Like, give us some good names to use in the show. Like Minor Linehan. Yeah, exactly. Like Minor Linehan and Ice Cold Brew. Yeah. And, uh, and then just those two over and over and over again. And then yeah. we'll just be the only NPCs of the whole show. <laughs> Do it. Mix and mash them. Anagram them. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really cool. Really, uh, 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 go ahead and check that one out. Um, besides that, um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I also appeared um, on the Fiction First Network YouTube channel playing Ghoul Boys by Riley Daniels, which is basically that BuzzFeed series. I, we've, we've talked about the game previously, but it's that BuzzFeed mm -hmm. series about investigating supernatural stuff. And it was this really weird um uh what's it called uh belonging outside belonging games where like all the moves are just like yeah. tell jokes in fun ways and i played it starting at midnight my time and so i'm very loopy and very silly and i think it's a pretty weird let's play but if you want to check that out um that's on the fiction first network and that'll be cool 
And finally, I wrote uh, The Killing of Mr. Blow, um, or Blue. It's B-L-O-U-G-H. It's a word that I think I stole from Friends at the Table, mm-hmm. which is a pent... I was thinking about that. So, yeah. Uh, which which is a Pentiment-inspired cosmic horror mystery for the Let's Roll Play Pass, which was sick as hell to write. I basically played a bunch of Pentiment, and I'm just like, how would you do this? Where you have, like, all right, you have two days to investigate a mystery, and you can only go to certain places, and you can ask questions and gain clues, but you don't get to see everything. That's one of the really fun things about Pentiment. And so at the end of it, you have to say who's guilty, and you don't know who's guilty. and you basically have to sort of sit down and just be like, I have to give the best option. And so what I did is I was like, I want to do that, but I also want to make a whole cosmic horror mythology. And so I, I made my own Cthulhu. I made my own Yala Hotep. I made my own, like, I basically in- inserted uh, the Sesame Street monsters as a, as, as the replacement for Lovecraft ghouls. And so there's a bunch of like, people see like, oh, there's teeth marks and all these like, like claw marks and there's also just a bunch of blue fur just like lingering around there like <laughs> who could have done this and they like live in a subterranean street and stuff like that oh, that's awesome um and so yeah i just made this 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 weird cosmic horror like city that people can like pick up and and mess around with and i'm incredibly proud of that one so be sure to subscribe to the let's roll play pass to check that one out um it is is a really fun game and it's really like interesting exercise in making weird mysteries um but yeah that's that's my three things cole what is what are are your things even checking out yeah um i guess to go back to talking about fire in the dark we actually have episode two coming out this sunday Mm -hmm. uh well going live this sunday i should say episode two of fire in the dark yeah of our second season and uh we are finding more and more things get in trouble with uh check out the first episodes out on your uh spotify apple Podcasts, and podbean mm-hmm. it's also up on youtube as well if you prefer your uh actual plays in that form yep and then um that's, that's fire in the dark electric boogaloo fire in the dark electric boogaloo correct <laughs> that's actually the name of the season that's uh and then also, uh, minor league esports is ramping up for another season. We actually have games coming up this weekend. Uh, I will not be playing in many of them. I will not be casting in many of them. But please go check out MLE Sports GG at mm-hmm. seven p.m. Uh, six p.m. EST Eastern Standard Time to watch some games on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Watch some fantastic folks and give them some love and support because you know, uh, free entertainment's always good. And Twitch uh, is a platform that does provide that. And then. Honestly, it makes people feel wanting to notice whenever you uh, join an eSport league and people want to watch you play. Yeah. And car soccer is fun. You spend your, if you spend your Bezos bucks, you don't, get the, you don't have to watch ads, which is great. Exactly. <sighs> um, and then the final thing I do want to say is, again, a huge shout out to Roll Plus Bond yes. and congratulations on an amazing four, fourth year anniversary stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just like extremely huge and... Yeah, uh, got a lot. There's a lot of behind the scenes talk right now that uh, I hopped in on about planning for next year and uh, being prepared for the idea like this is the biggest year we've had. And it's in no small effort to the promotions and reaching out and networking and continue to be a community that focuses on good, uh, 
good characterization, fun world building, uh, fun interaction with friends, uh, making connections and like being just sitting down around a channel, really, but around a table and coming forward with a game saying, hey, let's try this out. Hey, I have this thing. I want to see how people feel about it and yeah. continuing to grow out from there because it's really cool to see that happen. It's also really fun to see my friends playing cool games like uh, my friend Mark. Um, I believe ran a game. And I, uh, Halcyon also ran uh, a game I play tested um, mm-hmm. called uh, Tensile Breakdown, which is about mechs getting destroyed and everyone getting sad. And it was just nice. I'm very proud of them. There are games with like Anna Landon's You Shall Shatter Temples. Uh, there was the uh, I'm sorry, did you say Street Magic? Mm-hmm. Uh, fiasco. The very first game was actually Iron Sworn, uh, Iron Sworn Starforged. Yeah, by Sean Topkins, which was really cool to see people play that. Mm. Um, you also have the classics on there like Fiasco, Songs for the Dust made an appearance, Mass, A New Generation made an appearance. Yeah, uh, Just a Car is a new game that was being showed off. Just a whole bunch of really cool things, and yeah, please go check out the vods for that. It's yeah. such a cool network. It's a good introduction to a lot of really cool games, and it's like mm-hmm. a fun chance to see like a bunch of people having fun and messing around with it. So yeah. shout out to them. And you know, it also like kind of goes to show like if you have a unique idea for a game, whether it's a campaign or just a one shot tabletop RPG with, played with cards or some weird mechanic that you came up with on the fly, hmm. write that game because I bet you there are going to be people who find that and go, "Oh, I want to try this," and then yeah. you might wander into a stream of that game one day <laughs> yeah it's the knife blade thing or the fish blade thing yeah so uh uh anything else any any final thoughts or anything else anything we forgot to shout out um uh, buy marley's games go buy uh yes yeah go buy i sold i sold goncher of must die yesterday and mm-hmm. i don't know why <laughs> i haven't talked about the game in a, in a while people still love that goncher yeah shout out to apocalypse road trip which has been doing good Mm-hmm. Um, check out Ghost Storage Facility, Liminal Colossus, those yes. little bastards. Yeah, my very first little game about goblins. That's similarly like it's it's role plus one is a really great thing because I'm just like that's where my my tabletop RPG thing. I'm just like, oh, why don't I just make this? I'll just make it a little goblin game. See what happens. So shout out to that, and yeah, check out my games. And again, if you email me about any of them, I'll give it to you for free. There you go. My not yeah. hand at gmail.com um but yeah so so this was the the uh inside the table a tabletop rpg talk show show and thanks very much for listening um i was molly you can follow me at minor underscore lenahan and my pronouns are he him um and i was joined today by hello again i am cole aka ice cold brew you can follow me on twitter twitch instagram co-host and hive at ice cold brew my pronouns are he him they them um i forgot about hive again every every fortnight i'm just like no yeah hive exists hive is a thing i haven't (laughs) used it honestly i haven't either you can you can find me there probably somehow um and you can also find this podcast on twitter at inside the table and on co-host at inside the table uh feel free to review on apple podcasts there is an easy link at linktur.ee slash inside the table, which which gives you a direct link to there. And wherever you get your podcast, it should be able to find you should be able to find it there. Um, send in your questions. 
to inside the table at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, who should they recommend it to, Cole? Oh, uh, they should recommend it to their table of people yeah. who they just pitched a campaign to, you know, see how they feel about it. That's actually genuinely good advice. <laughs> Listen, I can't do this. All, I can't do the weird out of pocket shit all the time. Yeah, that's just I mean, that's good. We should do this more. Yeah. If your table is interested in table.rpgs and wants to find out more, we're pretty good for that, I think. <laughs> uh, and, you yeah, know, every star is five star Friday here at Inside the Table. So if there's a game you like. Go out and give it a five star rating. Um, yeah, I think that's 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 probably it. So without any further ado, goodbye. 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 <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. There they were. Goodbye. From whence thou came, from whence y'all shall go. What is that Shakespeare? I don't know. You just you just made that up. I think it's gonna be a big hit. <laughs> All right.